0: Okay, good evening everyone. We are the week of Rosh Hashanah. Apologies for last week. Last week was a little bit difficult for me to, um, you know, to give a sheer Baruch Hashem for good reasons. But uh, thank God, happy to be here and looking forward to Rosh Hashanah. On the second day of Rosh Hashanah, we have a very special Torah reading called the Akedus of the Binding of Isaac. And we know that this was the 10th and final test of Avram Avinu. But it seems to be that we discuss this event much more than really should be. Not only is it in the Torah reading, it's also in the Zichroinus, in the um, Remembrances, Second Blessing of Musa. It's also an empirical part as to why we have the shoifa on Rosh Hashanah. And therefore it is something that is discussed at length and alluded to and mentioned to many, many times. Now, it's not so clear when the Akedah happened. There are three opinions. One opinion says it was Rosh Hashanah, which would make sense. Another opinion says it was actually Yom Kippur. And another opinion says it actually took place in the month of Nisan when Pesach happened, which would seem not to really have to do with us. So what is exactly the point of the Akedah that we are supposed to derive, grow from, and to have in our consciousness throughout this beautiful time? So Rabbeinu Bachaye, one of the greatest authorities, commentators of a thousand years ago, And he tells us the following. He says, if you take a servant of the king, and we have to imagine what that is. You know, it's not like today. In today's time, when you are a person who's serving the government, or you're a civil servant, you don't have that same dedication and that same demands on you as were when in the case of a monarchy. In the case of a monarchy... You have to be there specifically for the king. You have to be there at all times. He is your focus and your everything. Now when it comes to someone who serves the king, there are three different levels of love of his master. Says Rabbeinu Bechayi, the first level is where you appreciate the king so much that you talk about it. You know, just like anybody who has any hobby or watches something or enjoys something, he talks about it. He calls up people and discusses it. He looks forward to it. He may invite people to spend time with the experience of actually undergoing it. Whatever it is. At the end of the day, when a person talks about something, it shows that it's on his heart. Like Rav Milla explains, Each the female of a person, according to what what is Mahalo, according to what he praises, that shows really what makes him tick. That's why Rav Miller used to say. When people look into shiduchim, they look into a, a prospective match for their child. He says, don't look at what they do necessarily. Look at what they talk about. Because when a person talks about, describes his interests, his desires, his wants, his thoughts. So when a person is constantly talking about his king, and he praises him, And he points out his wisdom and he shows people how he is so erudite, charismatic, with knowledge and insight. Then that is already the first level of love. However, such a person falls short because he's not willing to spend money yet on the king. He's happy to make the effort for him. He's happy to talk about him, but that's where it ends. The second level of love for a master, says the Rabbeinu Bechayin, is when not only you spend time talking about the king, but you're also willing to give up money for the king. And in fact, whatever money it is. You know, there was a, there was a story of a person, a Jewish person who took over a house. And in the house, he found under the bed about $30,000. Right? Quite a nice amount of money. And uh, with rands, it can be a small fortune. And the people before had left and gone, whatever. And he went to Rav Moshe Feinstein to ask, Do I need to return it? And Rav Moshe said, The people before were not Jewish. You return it to them, you're going to make a kiddush Hashem. You're going to make a sanctification of God's name. Go and do it. And he went and he returned the money. Can you imagine the sanctification of God's name, how they thought about Jews and the Torah and God because of that action. That's a person who's willing to give up whatever is necessary. Similarly, you get a person who's happy to keep mitzvahs, but when something pushes him into a corner where he needs to kind of stretch, he doesn't want to do that. So for example, this time of year, when it comes to sukkahs, a lot of people complain, why is it so expensive to buy a lulav and esric? It's, uh, you know, a few leaves, a few plants. Okay, you've got the citrus fruit, special fruit. But why should it be so expensive? But it's very difficult to justify that complaint when the same person will spend that money and more on a meal or that money and more on something that gives him pleasure and excitement. When a person is a true love, he wants to give to the other. Rav Dessler pointed out that true love for someone else is when you want what's best for them and you're constantly giving to them. Otherwise, when a person just loves because of what he gets out, that's not love. That's an infatuation. That's when a person is just trying to back himself up because he's personally wants to just benefit from it. Like a person who loves burgers, a person who loves fish, he loves chips. He doesn't love the chip. He doesn't love the the, the, the animal. That he got the burger from. He loves what he can get out of it. So true love for the other is When you're willing to spend and give. Whatever it takes for the other. However. This love is also incomplete. Because a complete love. Is going to be where not only will he talk about. The greatness of his master. Not only will he spend whatever is. But the greatest love. Is when he's willing to give up even his own life for the sake of his master. Now we come to the third level. Here we have a person who talks about his master. And he spends money in his master. And he puts himself in the firing line for his master. He's willing to put his life on the line to defend him. Whether it's a bodyguard for the king. Whether it's a soldier in the front. But at the end of the day, he's willing to go up there in the front and he doesn't care even if it means that he's going to lose his life because it's worth it because of the love that he has for his king. You know, it's interesting. You see how this changed in the annals of history. If you look at the beginning of World War I, when it was voluntary for many of the, of the countries, when it came to soldiers, Many, many soldiers came to the front. In the beginning of World War I in England alone, one million people volunteered to fight. But by the end of the war, they had to impose conscription because people didn't want to fight anymore. So what changed over there? They got tired. Their love for the king was lacking. When they went originally, they were fired up, but also because they wanted glory and they wanted to see what they could get. But at the end of the war, right, when it was to slug and to go out there into the trenches and uh, virtual near death, there was a tremendous reluctance. A person who has a true love for his master. It doesn't faze him whether it's his life or not. Whether he's going to live or die, he is going to be out there because it's the sake of his master, the king, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know where you find this? Is Moshe Rabbeinu turns to Hashem. When the Jewish people have sinned. And says Hashem. Rub me out from your book. Kill me. Rather than let me see the Jewish people suffer. If you're willing to give up your life. For the Jewish people. That shows love. Similarly in the book of Yonah. The book of Jonah. He says to our Kodesh Toiv. It's better. Death than life. Why? Because I cannot bear to see a decree be put on the Jewish people and they won't be able, you know, they'll be, they'll be suffering. And they won't be able to live peacefully and happily because of the kosh. And that's under, I cannot live to see that rather kill me, rather take me out of this world. Says Rabbi Nubechayi, Avraham Avinu had all three of these levels. The first, he spoke about the greatness of his master Hashem. As the Apostle says, Vayikra B'Shem Hashem. He called out in the name of God. What do you mean he called out in the name of God? He took like a little podium and said, Hashem's name, Hashem's name. Right? He tried to rouse the people to like a meditation mode. What it means, Vayikra B'Shem Hashem, is he taught people about Hashem. He taught them. He had classes. He had followers. He had lectures. He wrote books. He went out to people. He debated with priests. He discussed why? Because he loved the Kodesh Baruch. And if you say, but he had lots of followers, and we know lots of followers is good money. Like if you take a look in South Africa, some of the foremost priests are extremely rich men. Because all their followers are asked to give a certain amount of money every time they have a rally and whatnot. And they'd be very, very well off because of it. Avram Avinu never expected any money from them. Avram Avinu taught them, for their sake, that HaKadosh Baruch will should be in this world. And you must know, this is not a simple task. A lot of people will spend a certain amount of time, they'll, they'll section off time for HaKadosh Baruch and then the rest of the time is for me. But Avram Avinu spent his day from A to Z, constantly. How can I teach someone else Torah, mitzvahs, the greatness of Hashem? Josephus writes, when Avram Avinu was in Egypt, He taught the nations there mathematics, because you can see a kodesh b'achol in the maths of the world. You can see a kodesh b'achol in everything, and by showing him that wisdom, he would bring them to the wisdom of God. Furthermore, he set up the most amazing network of achnasas orchim of inviting in guests, hospitality. Chazal tell us that Avram Avinu. Not only opened his door to people, he opened four doors. Anyone could come from any direction. He didn't just invite his friends and family. He went out to people who weren't friends and family, and people that were poor, people that had nowhere to go, invited them in. Furthermore, Chazal say that he set up a network traveling all around the known world to bring new recipes. Can you imagine? You know, I mean, if you get a restaurant, one of the difficulties with a restaurant is they serve the same food again and again. How many restaurants at the cutting edge of latest recipes? Avram Avinu had uh, a purely chesed, a pure kindness restaurant. It was free to come to and enjoy. And he went and he found the best foods from around the known world in order to give people the most brilliant experience that they could enjoy it. But not only that, but at the end of the meal, he said to them, you have a choice. You can either thank the one who gave it to you or you have to pay. They said, well, who's that? Hashem. You had to thank Hashem. So his purpose, his task, as they say, was in order to instill an awareness of God in the people. And can you imagine the expense of that? You know, there's a family in Yerushalayim, a family called Machlis. The rabbits and henya our Shalom, she passed away. Every single Shabbos they continued after she died. Friday night, Shabbos morning, Shalosh the house is open, and they get the best food, and they invite anyone there. Doesn't make a difference who. And there's a beautiful book. I think it's called Chicken Soup, uh, something in Chicken Soup for the for the soul, but not not the Chicken Soup series, a different one where it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, work by Shah Press, which discusses her life, and Machlis, and how sometimes a guy would come uninvited, he'd walk and he'd eat, and then he would tell her, that, no, 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 this is how you should make the fish. I mean, can you imagine such a thing? And she did it with a smile, every single time. Right? This is for the sake of a Akkadosh Baruch. It's not in order to get honor and privileges, it's not to make any money for Keto opposite. It's a tremendous cost. But it's for Hashem. And that's what Avram Avinu did. So he loved Hashem. Not only that he spoke about him, but he's willing to spend huge amounts of money for him as well. And thirdly, he was willing already to give up his life for Hashem. Where do we see that? When Nimrod took Avram Avinu and threw him into the fiery furnace. Why did he do that? Because Avram Avinu smashed up the idols. And he wasn't afraid to say, I don't believe in this. This doesn't make any sense to me. Hashem is the one who created the world. How can you serve something that was, you know, wasn't in the world yesterday and you're older than that? It's got no power, no food, no eating, no drinking, no faculties. And you're serving it. You have to serve the God in charge. And he was willing to go against everyone. In fact, Chazal say that when Avram Avinu was to be thrown in that fire, people lie in the streets to watch. It was a spectacle for everybody to see, and he didn't care. And he debated the priests in front of Nimrod, knowing what would be. He didn't care, didn't mind. We have uh, the Gemara tells us about Rabbi Akiva that at the time of the Romans' decrees, they banned learning Torah, and Rabbi Akiva not only learned Torah, but he gathered. He was makokilus berab. He gathered whole hordes of Jews and taught them Torah publicly. And he didn't care even though he was caught out. And they put him in jail and they put him to death. And someone asked him, How, why are you doing this? And he explained to that person, he said, just like a fish can only survive in water. The Jewish people can only survive in Torah. So they asked, but why it was it necessary to have big groups? Do it privately. Because Torah can only survive if it's done on a public scale. When it's taught and there's a give and take and there's a discussion. And this Avram Avinu exemplified. However, says Rabbeinu B'chayim, there is a yet higher level of love of his creator. Yes, he talks about Hashem the whole time. Yes, he spends money on him without limit. And yes, he's willing to give up his own life for the belief in God. But there's another level up. And that is for some, there is something that is more precious More dear to a person in his very life. And for Avram Avinu. That was Yitzchak his son. He had his son after he would had Yehush of despair. Of ever having a child with Sarah. And it wasn't just a child. It wasn't even a newborn. It wasn't even a young child. It was already. Yitzchak was 37 years old. Can you imagine the deep connection he built with him? Can you imagine the love? Can you imagine how this person exemplified. Everything that Avram Avinu stood for. He was such a holy person, Yitzchak Avinu, and their child, and the entire lineage from where to go forth. And now Hashem says to Avram Avinu, Yes, I know it's harder to kill him than to kill yourself. Kill him. Like Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says, it's harder than killing a hundred times yourself. Because this is your child, Yitzchak that who came out of you. And that is the one you love more than anything else in this world other than Hashem? And now Hashem puts you to the test. Is your love for me above everything or not? This is the test of the Akedah. Now let's take it out of Avon and bring it back to us. Every one of us are servants of God. Whether we want it or we don't want it. HaKadosh Barucho created us. HaKadosh Barucho breathed life into us. And he gave us the Torah Kadosh he took us out of Mitzrayim and he did everything for us. And the condition for life is the observance of the Torah, which is all for our sake that we can bask in the greatest pleasure. But now the difference is where are we holding with our love for him? Do we love him enough to talk about it? And I'm not talking about saying Brochus and Davin. Yes. But do we love him enough to talk about him at a, at a supper table? Do we love him enough to call someone on the phone and tell someone some Torah thought? Do we love him enough to see him in world events? Do we talk about him? Do we, do we invest in him? Do we invest money and resources in him? Or is it only the talk? And finally, are we willing to invest self-sacrifice in him? When it's hard for us. When it's difficult for us. Are we willing to give up our essence. Our life. And are we willing to give up that which we personally love. And are close to more than anything else. Our point that for Avraham Avinu was a Yitzchak. These are the ideas of the Akedah. The Akedah is there for us. To think about and to ponder. And to realize that this is really the key for success. Now we know that Avram Avinu did not kill Yitzchak. Hashem stopped him. But it didn't end there and he went home. Avram Avinu saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Hashem told him. Now you take that ram you offered instead of Yitzchak. Why? Why do you have to offer a sacrifice now? Other times to offer a sacrifice. The answer says Rav Hirsch. Is that what Avram Avinu was asked to do for Yitzchak. We need to symbolically do. Avram Avinu was asked to bring up a person. But Hashem says I want people to live. So instead take the animal. And the animal is the representation of you. It's a representation of whatever you love. That you're willing to give that up for Hashem. Your life. whatever you Whatever you hold dear to you. That's the idea of the sacrifice that was offered instead. And we ourselves, when we come to the Akedah and we listen to the Akedah, and we hear about this tremendous act, we need to think, what are we willing to offer up for Hashem? What are we willing to give up for Hashem? It's not good listening to the Akedah, hearing about it, talking about it, and having nothing to do with what it represents or what's ideal. But if we think about it a little bit, about what we can do to put the Akedah into us. Then there's a different world. And Chaim of Velojana explains. That every Jew. Just like you have a physical DNA. You've got a spiritual DNA. And every Jew. Who descends from Avram Avinu. Have the powers to achieve what Avram Avinu did. Avram Avinu was able. To sustain. This incredible test. And pass it. We can also do that. And what's more, it's easier for us. Because He already achieved it. And that's inside of every one of us. Hashem should bless us. That for Rosh Hashanah, should be a ksiv written and sealed in the book of life. A gebencht a year of blessing. A year of joy, a year of health. A year of electricity. A year of sustenance. A year of serenity. A year of clarity. A year of dedication, and please God, when we come to Rosh Hashanah this year, let it be a meaningful experience for us and for the entire Jewish people. Okay, have a good one, everyone. Thank you. Zaygesund.